All right, well, let's look into God's Word together. We are going to talk about Pentecost because today is Pentecost Sunday, but we want to know what is it. Depending on your background, depending on your biblical knowledge, you may think, what is this strange word that keeps being thrown around all morning? Why are some people wearing red? Uh, We're going to explain that to you uh, this morning. And the other question that we'll answer, hopefully, is why should we be celebrating this? Why is this an important uh, event, an important celebration to be had in every New Testament church? So, Pentecost is a very special day of worship. It was a day of worship that that the disciples had gathered together and they had spent time praying and, and seeking God. It commemorates for us the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his early disciples. In Acts 2, if you want to turn to Acts, in Acts chapter 2, that is where it's recorded for us. But through this church holiday, which is not, which is not necessarily celebrated by all churches, um, but through this, there was a monumental turning point in Christian history. Something major changed, and we should acknowledge it. In fact, this morning, millions of Christians around the world are acknowledging it. It's one of the most holy days in the Christian calendar. The New Testament church, which began on Pentecost, which we read about in Acts chapter 2, has been given a very important mission of preaching the good news of the kingdom of God to the whole world. But that mission can't be accomplished without Pentecost, without the Holy Spirit coming. Pentecost marks the beginning of the Christian church's mission into the world. It's this starting point. Before that, Jesus had come and he was teaching and arranging and helping uh, to, to, to make sure that people knew who God was. Make sure that they understood what was going to happen on the cross and through the resurrection. And then he spent those those 40 days after his resurrection just going through the details, making sure his disciples understood what God had done through his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, and soon to be his ascension. After his ascension, they were told to go and wait. It was a period of 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. Baptism was administered during those times between Easter and Pentecost. It is one of the most ancient feasts of the church. It's mentioned in Acts chapter 20, verse 16. And Paul again mentions it in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 16, 8. He wants to get back to Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost. He was not going to miss it. And you can read those passages as you read through the New Testament. So in the early church, this, this time was very special. It was something that they set aside and remembered because it was the turning point in history. Prior to that, God had not lived within them. We talked about this as we've been getting into the book of Acts. He lived with them. He was before them. He was behind them. But now he is within them by the power of his spirit. Eventually, Pentecost became the most popular time for baptism. In fact, in the early European church, it was eventually called White Sunday because there were special white robes that were worn by those who were 
newly baptized. In many churches, the ministers and the members of the congregation would wear red during Pentecost because red symbolizes the tongues of fire that descended on the disciples from the Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, in church history, the holiday of Pentecost is even bigger than Christmas. Now, that's hard for us to imagine because the church at Christmas is decked out, right? And we're decked out. You know, we wear our Christmas sweaters, whether they're ugly or not. We wear them anyways. You know, we, we exchange gifts to one another. We sing special songs at Christmas time, all about Christmas, all about the manger. We do all this to celebrate Christmas. But in the early church, after Acts 2, Pentecost was bigger than Christmas, They weren't commanded to celebrate Christmas. They weren't commanded to celebrate Pentecost. But Pentecost was built into the early church because of its history and what it meant symbolically to them. Pentecost can be a powerful celebration and a reminder to each of us that the Holy Spirit lives within us and that he came to give us power to be witnesses to the risen Lord. It's really a part of Easter, right? Christ has risen from the dead, and now he has ascended. He has gone to, 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 to heaven to wait, right, until he comes again. But in the meantime, he sent his spirit to come to give us the power that we needed to go out into the world and to preach the gospel against much persecution, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, there was a, there, it wasn't like this was an easy thing to do. They needed the power of the Spirit to give them courage and to help them to be bold. It is the perfect time for us to be reminded that our Heavenly Father empowers us to be witnesses. Let's be remembering that. To be witnesses. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to send my power so you can be good singers. I'm going to send my power so you can be good builders. I'm going to send my power so you can be good cake bakers. He said, I'm going to send my power so you can be my witnesses. So that you can testify to who I am, what I have done in your life, how I have changed your life, and how I want to change the life of everyone who meets me. Everyone who's introduced to me. I love them all. And I want them all to know that. We need the power of the Spirit to remind us of that. Because sometimes we can get sidetracked. We can get distracted. We can get off course or off mission. So let's remember the biblical context in John's gospel, first of all. Now, I I give you a couple of, of, of verses here on this slide. And I have a page number there. That's for the blue Bible that's in the pew. So if you're using the blue Bible, you can turn to page... 1,068 right now, you can do it, and you'll be at John 14, right? I'm using my red Bible because it's Pentecost, so I'm going to use my red Bible. I don't have the same page number as you. But in the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, I'm going to read what Jesus said about his spirit, starting at verse 16. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. 
For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, Christianity is a little bit of a mystery because we have something called the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but we have one God. It's not three separate gods. It's one God. So for the Spirit to come to us, it has to be Jesus himself. This is, this I will come to you is Jesus' Spirit coming to live within us. It's not a separate thing. It's not anything to be afraid of. It's not anything that we should, you know, worry about. It's something that Jesus promised his disciples. I'm not going to leave you as orphans because he, he, in the physical form, he was ascending into heaven. We know that he, he went up into the clouds and physically he was no longer here. So if you were those early disciples, you might feel abandoned. You might feel like, oh no, where's Jesus? I can't see him, right? So he promised to come back, and not just in the end time return of Christ, the second advent, but in his spirit, he would come and live within them. And this is his promise to us. So turn over just a few more chapters in the Gospel of John, in chapter 20, because this is after now he has resurrected from the dead, and I want to read you what he says then. Because now he has gone to the cross, he has died for our sins, he's been buried in the tomb for three days, and now he has risen again. On the evening of the first day of the week, it says in John 20, verse 19, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them. This is where people say, he must have walked through walls, you know. He came and stood among them, even though the doors were locked. And he said to them exactly what they needed to hear, because he always knows our hearts. He said, peace, peace be with you. In other words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I'm here. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. He often repeats himself because sometimes the first time we don't get it. Peace be with you. And then we continue to worry. And so he has to say, peace be with you. (laughs) Listen to me. Be at peace. Don't be afraid. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they will be forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they will not be forgiven. They were given great authority by the power of the spirit of Jesus living within them. He asked them to receive his spirit. He gave them that command, and, and, and I think we need to listen to that because sometimes we, we reject the spirit. We're, we're afraid of the spirit. We don't understand the spirit. It's a mystery to us, and because our minds can't get around it, we, we kind of push back a little bit on that. But all believers in Jesus Christ need to receive the spirit. Because the Spirit is what enables us to live obedient lives as witnesses in this world. No matter what the trouble, 
We have the power of the Spirit to help us. He is the Spirit of truth, Scripture says. So, where does this idea of Pentecost come from? There was already a feast that God had commanded way back in the Old Testament when he was setting up a new nation, when he brought the the slaves out of Egypt through his miraculous work, and he was setting up a new nation. He said, you're going to be my people. You're going to serve, serve me and worship me, and I'm going to provide for you and bless you. I'm going to bring you into the land of promise. And so in that period of time while he was setting up, you know, here's how we'll do Passover. Here's how we'll have the priests bring sacrifices and and, and to set up things for you. He said, I want you to set up a time when the harvest has come in, but not fully in yet, called the first fruits. So when you start to begin harvesting, I want you to stop. And I want you to do something with that harvest. I want you to take the grain and I want you to what is it called? Grind it down. Grind it down into flour. And I want you to make a couple loaves of bread. And I want you to come before me in the temple. And I want you to wave those, those two loaves of bread in front of me. And, and, and show me your thankfulness for the harvest. It's a little bit like our Thanksgiving, right? We don't necessarily wave, wave loaves of bread around, but we are thankful and so we eat a lot of food. This is one of the holidays where they were called to eat. Other ones, they're called to fast. On this one, they were called to eat. This idea of having a first fruit is an important thing for us to understand. Because Pentecost, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, is the first fruits. A harvest of souls comes in that day. We talked about it last week. 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus and said, I want to be a Christ follower. On that one day. But that was just the first of the harvest. The harvest is still coming in. Even in this day and age. More people are are getting to hear the good news of Jesus. Receiving it by the power of the spirit. And being made new again. So they were to celebrate by taking that grain. And making it into bread. We celebrate what we can do. With what God gave us. God gave us his spirit. What are we going to do with it? Same thing. They took the the grain that grew in the fields, which he allowed them to grow, and they did something with it. This is a point I want you to, to get. He doesn't just give you his spirit for the heck of it. He doesn't just give them grain for no reason. He wants them to eat it. He wants them to be nourished by it. He wants them to be, continue to work so they can bring in the full harvest. When he gives his spirit to us, sometimes we get distracted because it is a wonderful experience. It's wonderful to feel the love of God flow into your whole being and know that he is with you. That's a wonderful thing, but that's the beginning of the harvest. That's not the end. That's not the end. And sometimes we get that wrong and we need to be corrected on that because he's given us his spirit so we can make something of it. We can go and share the good news of Christ in the power of the Spirit. We can use the gifts that God gives us through his Spirit to help others to find him and to be maturing in him, to become disciples of Jesus Christ, teaching them everything that Jesus did and said. 
I think many churches get off track and just focus on the first fruit. But there's more fruit to be made. There's more fruit to be harvested. Remember when Jesus said, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would bring more workers so that the harvest can come in in its fullness. Now, we're, we're, we're using a, a, a physical thing like bread or grain to describe something that's spiritual. And I know that stretches some of your minds. But we ask the Holy Spirit to, to teach us, to help us to understand so that we can know how to grow in Christ. Because when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, they received the breath of God to do what God has commanded them to do, to be his witnesses. And to celebrate the presence of God in the church, in the, in, the, in the community of believers that God has brought together. So just as Jesus said, 40 days after the resurrection and 10 days after his ascension, the promise was fulfilled when Peter and the early church were in Jerusalem for this Jewish holiday, this festival of weeks, it was called. It's first introduced in scripture in Exodus 19. But let's just talk about the English word for a minute. Pentecost is translated from the Greek, and the Greek word means 50. So Pentecost just means 50. It's 50 days from the resurrection to the coming of the Spirit. The Christians borrowed that phrase from the Greek-speaking Jews who used the phrase to refer back to the Jewish holiday known as the Festival of Weeks. Right? The Old Testament book of Leviticus 23, it instructs people to count seven weeks, which equals 50 days, if you can do math, from the end of Passover to the beginning of the next holiday. That's where 50 comes in. Now, remember, it's the 50th year of Holden Chapel, right? It's good for us to be renewed in this, renewed in the spirit of what we are here for. We're here to spread the gospel. Our role as a New Testament church is to teach and to preach and to serve in such a way that more and more people can come to know Jesus. The New Testament church has been given the mission. It's been given the job of preaching the good news of the kingdom to the whole world. And that's a big job. And it can sound overwhelming. But not with God co-missioning, in other words, joining us for the mission. Think of it, the God of the universe, the God with all power and wisdom and might, joining us or joining us to himself to carry out a mission. And his mission is to bring the good news of Jesus to the world. It doesn't sound so big when you realize who's with you. It doesn't sound so, so scary when you understand the power of God and the wisdom of God is there for you as a resource as you carry out this mission. We're like those disciples locked in that room, afraid. That's not what Pentecost is about. Pentecost burst out of that room. The whole city was like, what's going on over in that neighborhood? What is all the noise about? Why are those people shouting praises to God in all kinds of languages? How is this happening? He burst out of that room when he connected himself with that people, with those people. 
He wants to burst out of this room. He wants to burst out of your rooms at your house. He wants you to take the good news of the gospel wherever you go. And in the power of Jesus' name, bring the good news, the good news of the kingdom of God to the whole world. This is our role. This is our purpose in life. And we have not been left as orphans to do it in our own strength or in our own wisdom. And unfortunately, often we have an orphan spirit. We act as though we're in charge or we've got to do this by ourselves. And I'm just tired and I can't figure it out and I don't know what to do. If God is with you, who can be against you? I mean, the problem is we're forgetting. We're we're, we're not functioning as though God is with us. We're functioning as though we're orphans. And people, we got to stop. The world needs the good news of the kingdom. The The world needs Jesus. And if we don't bring him to them, we're not fulfilling the purpose of Pentecost. We can sing all kinds of songs and we can have all kinds of prayer meetings and we can do all kinds of other stuff. But if we're not bringing the good news to the, to the world, we're not fulfilling the purpose of it. We're living sort of in a, in a, what's that thing called? A whirlpool. Not a washing machine, but just when the water starts just swirling round and round and round and round and round. Going nowhere. It's still swirling, but it's going nowhere. And God has given us a mission And the church's mission has not ended yet. It has not ended yet. It hasn't ended in your life. It hasn't ended in my life. While I still have breath to breathe, it has not ended in this world. Same for you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're on a mission. You can't go into retirement. It doesn't work that way. You can't put up your feet and say, oh, it's somebody else's job now. No, you've got to keep working. Keep asking the Spirit to fill you and use you and bring you out into the world to help others to know Jesus. This is our purpose. We cannot fulfill our purpose or our mission without the Holy Spirit's power. We cannot. Jesus knew we needed his power to fulfill this great mission. So he partnered with us. Just as they needed his power back then, we still need his power now. We cannot do it alone. Ultimately, Pentecost is the church's celebration of the gift of the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus coming to us, which empowers us with the love of Jesus and the love of God, the motivation to obey him, the desire to follow him is so that we can serve him. So that we can show others his love and the changed lives that we're able to live because of his love. And so that we can tell people about Jesus. When we truly celebrate Pentecost, we are acknowledging the only, that only by the Holy Spirit can we be empowered to witness. And that it's the Spirit who helps us to live out the gospel. Don't try to do it in your own strength. It don't work that way. It's like the lamp that's unplugged. You can click that thing all you want. You can check the bulb all you want. But if it's not connected to the source, it ain't coming on. It's going to stay dark. Connecting to the source of the spirit of Jesus, which lives in you, is the key. There's incredible hope and power in this. Without the power of the Spirit, we cannot succeed. But with his power, 
We are able to share God's message through our words and through our deeds all over the world today. We are able. No one is stopping us because no one can stop God. The only one who's stopping us is us. Our lack of faith, our lack of connecting with God in such a way that he fills us to overflowing with his love so that we're overflowing with his joy, that we're overflowing with the message of the gospel, the the message of forgiveness. Now, if you were here last week or if you watched online last week, I said teaching should always be followed by doing. So I just taught you, taught you for 20, 25 minutes. Do you live those truths out in your life? Are you living as an empowered witness of Jesus Christ? Do you feel full of the Spirit? Or are you living on empty? Some of us are living on fumes. Some of us have conked out and we're on the side of the road walking with that little red thing looking for a gas station. Well, I have good news to you. There's a gas station here today. There's a gas station with you every day. But when we're together, God is here to fill us up again. Because, yeah, we do run low. We do need a refreshing of his spirit. It's interesting because in Acts 2, the spirit comes. But then again, in Acts 4, the spirit comes. And then in Acts 8, the spirit comes. And then in Acts 10, the spirit comes. And then in Acts 19, the spirit comes. Well, how can that be if it was just one day? It's not just one day. It's every day. Every day we need the filling of the Spirit to go out and be witnesses in this world. There's all kinds of ways in which God wants to use the uniqueness of your life, the uniqueness of my life, to connect with those who don't know Him, and, but they know you. They've heard of you. They've worked with you. They've been your neighbor. They, they, they're, they're part of your gym. You know, they go to school with you. God wants to use you in those situations. And no, it's not easy. We will see that as we go through the book of Acts this summer. It's not easy. We got to get the easy thing out of our brains. That's like an Americanism. When everything has to be easy, oh, then God is on our side and God is blessing us. Guess what? There's two witnesses here from Belarus. It ain't easy, is it? Sorry for the improper English. It's not easy, is it? It's not. But it's exciting, and it's amazing to see the kingdom of God come in people's lives and change them and give them a hope and give them a future in Christ, and that is what we're called to. But I want to ask you, if you're feeling empty, if you're feeling half full, you want to be all the way full. So during this song, would you come to the front as a sign of your desire to be full of the Spirit? We'll be praying here, we'll be singing here, we'll be just being with God here, together with you. But open yourself up for a fresh filling of the Spirit. You can open your hands like this, you can do that, just don't do this. Don't do, right? That says all kinds of stuff. At least do this. You can open them up down here. You don't have to go up like me, you know? But... Show your openness to being filled with the Spirit for the purpose of living as living testimonies of God. 
As we sing this song, when it talks about the atmosphere, when I sing this song, I, I know I'm a crazy, but when I sing this song, I think about the atmosphere inside of me first. Come into the atmosphere of my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions. Because once those are in the right atmosphere with God, I will walk out and live out the rest of the atmosphere outside of myself, right? So we want the Spirit to fill us within, and then it will spill out to without, right? To outside of ourselves. Now, not all of you are come up front people. I know that. I know you. I've been here a long time. It's okay. When I was prayed for, when I was 15 years old, to be filled with the Spirit, to be refreshed in the Spirit, to be empowered by the Spirit, to live my life for God, I was in a public place and they prayed for me. I didn't feel anything, nothing else happened. The next day when I was in the shower, I felt the Spirit of God begin to fill me and change me and give me a boldness that I didn't have because I'm like a shy little kid. If you look at my, you know, little child inside of me, he's shy. He don't want to talk. He wants to go in the back room and have nobody look at him. And God says, I'm going to make you speak my word. I'm going to make you a preacher. I said, oh, no, God, anything but that. (laughs) And God said, but my power is made perfect in your weakness. Oh, Lord, you are good. All right? So... Even if you don't come down front, at least stand in your pew and ask for, the God to, ask for God to fill you with his spirit. He will do it. It's his desire. It's his wanting to do. All right, let's sing before we run out of time. I'm talking so much. Lord, thank you for this song. Thank you for this opportunity we have to come before you and to ask you to fill us anew, afresh this morning, so that we may be your witnesses in the world that you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.